The month of June has been kind to the Seattle Mariners thus far. The offense finally looks like it has turned a corner, and that is really shown in these first two games versus the Marlins. Obviously, in game one, Bryce Miller went and the Mariners put up eight runs. The Mariners blanked the Marlins in the first game, eight to zero. And in the second game, the Mariners put up another nine runs with George Kirby on the mound. Joe, the first two games against the Marlins, what do you think about this offense so far? I mean, had we blanked the Marlins in the first game, it would have been a no-hitter because the only hit they gave up was a home run. But... I, you know, let's, right. let's just let's just erase the, the squiggly one there and make it a zero. It looks Thank the same you. on the box score. It's been great. You know, the Marlins are one of the hottest teams in the NL coming into this series. They come to T-Mobile, and they just they look like fish out of the water, if you will. We've looked great at stopping the Marlins. They've had a very strong offense, you know, throughout this year. Their pitching staff, they are young, but we've gotten to them. Jesus Luzardo was one of those guys. We knew he was going to come back around and bite us at some point. He was, you know, he used to be on the A's, and now he's on the Marlins, tearing it up for them. He's doing really well. But the Mariners' offense did get to him. What did you see out of the Mariners' offense against Luzardo in Game One? Well, I think one thing that's been a very common theme for the Mariners, and they've touched on this in the broadcast, as they're working counts and they're getting deep on guys like Luzardo or Cabrera in the second game, and getting them out of the game by the fourth or the fifth inning and getting into that bullpen. And A, you're going to a lot of times face a worse pitcher eventually out of the bullpen. Mm -hmm. And B, you're going to tax their bullpen for the rest of the series. And I think the Mariners and Cal talked about it in his interview at the end of the second game. That's kind of the game plan right now. Work counts, get deep in counts, not attack right away and wait for your pitch. And it's really looked good for the Mariners thus far in June because there's only been one game in June where they've scored less than three runs. And that was the very first game of June when they got shut out. I think that... This offense truly has turned a corner. Obviously, you see guys like Tasker Hernandez has been a lot better. Eugenio Suarez is starting to look better. He's still mm -hmm. not all the way back yet, but he does look a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Julio, of course, has looked way better than he was. JK had a hit today. Mm -hmm. JK had a hit yesterday mm -hmm. uh, in the second game. <laughs> Let's hope he has Marlins. a hit today. <laughs> hope, fingers crossed. Yeah. And, I mean, even against some pretty good pitchers, I think the Marlins pitching staff is really underrated with Luzardo Cabrera. And then, of course, Perez today. I think that this is a good matchup for the Mariners to really show, hey, this offense is better than it was on that ugly, ugly road trip. And it's going to be good because they have another big road trip coming up. Now, the Mariners chase Luzardo after four innings in game one and a usual suspect for the Mariners so far in June, Ty France. Got to him with a big three-run blast. In this game, it was a lot of, I think, you know, the typical guys for this offense. Aside from, I think, one standout guy towards the bottom of the order that we're going to touch on in a second. But, yeah, it was Ty France and a lot of the guys just getting on, pushing people around. There was that one dropped ball from, what was it, Brian De La Cruz out in left field that, you know, kind of smoked, but, like, not really. And then just fell straight out of his glove. So, kind of some defensive mishaps there. But you capitalize on them as the Seattle Mariners and... You know, it's nice to see France hit that big bomb, made a call to the bullpen, which was hilarious. I seeing that phone call in the bracket, like, what's what is what who was he talking to? And you find out that, oh, this whole dugout, you know, bullpen situation is just really fun. See the vibes kind of get picking back up as you know, they're on, they're, I think they're stepping in the right direction, right? Like the offense is clicking, the pitching feels like it's sorting itself out again. It just all around better vibes for the Mariners, yeah. And I think. A couple of key guys, like you said, Eugenio Suarez hit a home run after he also smoked that ball to left field. His He's hitting the ball hard now. Mm -hmm. He really is. Of course, 
a few of his hits lately have just been little bloopers. He's getting paid off for some of the balls that he's hit right at guys that have just been line outs. He had a few, I think, in that last game against the Angels right at the infielders. It got out every single time. Yeah. So it's nice to see, you know, them start to fall for Gino. And then, of course, Tom Murphy with a big blast. Tom Murphy has been really good. Yes. Like, as of late, he has been so much better than he was at the beginning of the year. The Mariners are back to having one of the best catching tandems in all of baseball, especially even with Cal struggling. Of course, he did hit that big home run in the second game of the series mm -hmm. and really kind of propelled the Mariners offense in that second game. But it was the bottom of the lineup that did most of the damage. It was Cal. It was Jose Caballero and it was Mike Ford. And oh, yeah, all, everybody. <laughs> listen, I'm looking at you, person who said bad things about Mike Ford. All right. <laughs> I think that we're smarter than you. Don't you don't, don't you dare. Give it a month's time. Ford won't hit another home run. But, uh, but no, yeah. Ford had a great second game. You're not wrong. And he did make an appearance in the first game. He pinch hit for AJ Pollock later in that game, in game one. But getting those reps at DH for Ford, you know, it's a bat in that lineup that if it's not producing, oh, well, it wasn't producing before for the DH. Now that it is. Who, the sky's the limit, it feels like. You can only go up from where we have been at. And as far as the DH goes, do you think that's kind of the the spot for them forward against righties, Paul, against lefties at that point? Uh, yeah, I think that that's where they're going to have to lean. And maybe even not DHing Pollock versus lefties and putting Teo in there at DH sure. and putting Pollock in left fielder, what have you. But Mike mm -hmm. Ford, I mean, as of right now, you got to run the hot hand. And is he going to stay this hot forever? No. I mean, he's shown in the big leagues before that maybe this isn't the spot for him but he has little spurts like this yeah. every once in a while where he can put the team on his back for a few games make the number 20 proud another big beef daddy up there yeah hitting dad hacks left-handed all right daniel vogelbach all right represent he walks God so ford could run <laughs> all right did you see mike ford running on that jose caballero triple he oh was my goodness hustling little legs little arms going looking like a and fridge out there i think that mike ford i mean we talked about it for a while that they just bring him up. Please just bring him up. No more Tommy LaStella. Quit messing around. And another guy that got called up was Jose Caballero. And I think that he has really taken over that second base job. I was on the fence about Jose Caballero. And I still am. He still mm -hmm. does struggle versus right-handed pitching for the most part. But overall, I mean, versus lefty specifically, he is killing it. But versus righties, now that Dylan Moore's back, do you think he could be that platoon partner for him? That's just it's just it's an interesting situation because the splits don't favor how that platoon should work because traditionally more kills lefties and if Caballero is continuing to you know put up numbers against lefties and not righties that creates that kind of bugaboo situation of like okay now we've still got that black hole against right-handed pitching and therein lies the question of Colton Wong which is everyone's favorite Seattle Mariner right now to talk about. Caballero has definitely taken over the second base job. Whether it's his big elbow guard getting hit so he gets on base and he can steal a bag, or he's lacing a triple down the line, he's got hustle. He's got heart. And not to say that Colton Wong doesn't have that, but it's showing a lot more in Caballero on the field because, well, it's producing. He's getting those opportunities and he's cashing in. Where that platoon stands, I don't really know if I am going to be okay with... I don't know. I don't really know how to answer the question because I'm not sold on either of them against right-handed pitching, right? Whereas left-handed pitching, we know what the the track record is showing. 
Yeah, and I, I, I mean, Colton Wong's still going to get his starts. He is. He's still on this team. He's still going to get his starts. There's really nobody pushing to come up except for maybe Jake Shiner. But even then, he doesn't really solve your problem at second base. Yeah. There's really nobody pushing Colton Wong out right now. The lineup that they have is finally, in my opinion, at least the 26 guys that they have up there, in my opinion, basically the best guys they could possibly bring up. Minus like Chris Flex and you can bring up like Riley O'Brien or what have you in the meantime. Sure. But realistically, the best 26 guys, in my opinion, are out there on the field. And... Even if that's Colton Wong off the bench every once in a while, I still think he is one of your best 26 guys in this organization. I really do at this time. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, Caballero, he's going to get the bulk of the playing time at this point until he proves that he can't do it. And like we saw with Sam Haggerty last year, there's a very big possibility that guys get overexposed. They find holes in the swing. But Caballero has such a good, I guess, idea of the strike zone that... If the pitch is off the plate, he's going to take it. He's going to get on base, as he's shown by his career, like 400 OBP down in the minor leagues, and now mm-hmm. running a 400 OBP here at the majors. He's privy to steal a bag once in a while, and he had defensively, two in he's yesterday's been good. game, yeah. right? He did have two. Yeah, yeah, he I think walked and stole a bag, and then singled and stole a bag, or got hit. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's up to nine, so I think it's second on the team behind Julio. Independent of that, yeah, you're right. Like Cabby has earned his spot, and you're talking about what he provides. For your team, he is the, I think, prototypical nine-hole hitter that we all loved seeing out of J.P. Crawford to begin the year, which was he was getting on base at the bottom of the order for the top of the lineup to then turn over and produce. You now have that again in the nine-hole with Cabby, and then you still have J.P. there available to you at the top of the lineup to continue that process of seeing pitches, making long counts happen, and just taking good A.B.s. And... I don't know, like, I, there's just, there's no stopping it until, you know, the flame kind of burns out. And you mentioned, you know, overexposed. I don't know if there's, I think that for me, if I'm trying to remember back on some of his uglier swings, it's off speed, low and inside, I think is where he kind of like swings over the top of it a lot. And, you know, if I'm wrong, sue me. But I think I've seen a couple times where I think it was today, you know, Cabrera dropping a changeup low and inside to him. And Cabrera's got a filthy changeup. I said today, I meant yesterday. And you're going to miss that pitch, but he's not the only guy that was going to miss that pitch because it's just filthy. So I don't know where his holes are, but if he does start getting overexposed, we've got the depth to kind of back it up. Um. Anyways, yeah, I... Uh, what? I don't know where his holes are. Um, do you think that there is a possibility that if JP... He's been a little bit better lately, but that they put JP down at the nine spot and put Caballero leading off. Thoughts? I don't think it'd be a bad idea to kind of flip that around if JP starts to you know, get a little tired, you know, start going into his little, I've been good for two months, time for me to be bad for a little bit here. Situation that happened last year, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you'd be, you know, willing to try it out. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you just flip him back or maybe you try Julio in the leadoff spot again. I think on this team right now, you've got three guys that you can trust in leadoff spot for the majority of the time, right? You've got JP, you've got Julio, and then Caballero has emerged as that guy as well because he's an on-base machine yeah and i think with a 400 on base percentage again like like you said it's still good to have a guy in the nine spot that can get on base a lot and flip the lineup over maybe extend an inning always mm-hmm. always a good thing to see and jp was that guy at the start of the year which is why he was in the leadoff spot once julio got moved out yeah and so kind of i guess switching gears here a little bit let's talk about bryce miller 
and his start against the Miami Marlins. Obviously, only gave up the one hit, and that was that home run to Fortes. Right. One run scored. My bad. But... <laughs> He did give up, I think, three or four walks. What What did you see out of Bryce Miller's mechanics? Even though he was statistically better, yeah, right, than he was in the past couple of games. What did you see out of Miller in, uh, what was that? Monday's game. Monday's game. Monday's game. Yeah, the first inning was phenomenal. He was going after batters, and the fastball to righties was kind of, you know, riding in on the hands and getting to that spot where they want to swing because they think it's going to be, you know, in a spot where they can touch it, and then it just keeps going, keeps riding, and they can't touch it. And you go to the second inning, and then he's pulling off. It's glove side. Every single pitch to, I think, the leadoff batter in that inning would have been Garrett Cooper. And you can tell right away that Tom Murphy's like, yo, there was a moment, I think, I don't remember if it was in the second inning or the fourth inning, but he gestured. He, like, put his hands together and, like, bring it back towards the middle of the plate and just, like, kind of, like, shifted the zone for Miller. And I don't know if it's, like, a mental thing where you're, you know, talking about he's overthrowing it or if it's a mechanical issue where he's just, like, not finishing in the right spot. I'm not the person, I guess, to say yes or no to a mechanical issue for Miller, whether it's, you know, consistent delivery or anything like that. But... In that start, there were command issues, and I was surprised, honestly, that he made it six innings. He had some really quick innings, you know, littered throughout the command issues, and I think that definitely, you know, allowed him to go those six innings and keep it a low-scoring game for the Miami Marlins offense. It was good to see him not get tatered, and I think that's big for his confidence. He was kind of walking around like he had, you know, the cock of the walk. He, like, fielded a ground ball from Luis Arise right back, and he kind of, like, caught it and, like, shrugged his shoulders, did a little shimmy, and kind of, like, flipped it over to first, so... I think it was just overall a good start for him, even though the command issues could be, you know, a lingering thing. Yeah, and I mean it was good with with the command issues. In the end, it is what it is. The he was able to pitch around it. Short. Exactly, he was able to, and that's especially for a young guy. That's big. Being able to fight your command, realize you don't have your best stuff that day, be able to still attack hitters and go six innings, give up only one hit. Again, walking three, not a great sign for Bryce Miller. But compared to his other two games that he had recently against, I think it was, what, the Rangers and the Yankees? Yeah. Uh, like, it was night, night and day. day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, speaking of people that were night and day, George Kirby. Obviously, his Thank last goodness. couple starts, he kind of got shelled as well. The whole Mariners pitching staff has been shelled, basically, it's... for the end of last month into this month. So, what did you see out of George Kirby on the second game of the Miami Marlins series? Yeah, he's just it's every other start almost it seems like for our guys right now and george being able to turn around after going against the padres and not having his best stuff i just for him he just attacks guys way better when he's able to locate on the outside corners and i think i don't know if that's what was missing against the padres but he was hitting the outside corner really really well and then his 99 riding high and inside was another just intense weapon against the Miami Marlins, which allowed him to reach his career high in strikeouts, 10 Ks in a single outing. He only went six, but that's all he really needed to go. And he got into some trouble here and there, you know, in that sixth inning, but he was able to work around it. You know, there was a, a little booted ball by Gino and everyone's like, Oh God, yeah, right. home, home run makes it a one run game, but George gets out of it. You know, he's jazzed. I don't know. It's baseball. When it's just baseball. That's all it really boils down to is one guy, one time, 
there's a start where the 94 mile an hour fastball on the out, outer half of the plate is hit for a home run by Gary Sanchez, and then the next start it's swung through by Jorge Soler. It's baseball. That's just all it really boils down to. And I think George had a little bit better command of like the corners of the zone, you know, the edges. But I don't think there's anything inherently super different between last start and this one. Did you see anything like that stood out to you necessarily? No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, I think, with his control. He he, he looked poised up there compared to, obviously, he got a little bit rattled in his start before the Padres series. Wait, no. Mm, he, he was threw eight innings. He was lights out against the Yankees. That's right. Yeah. It was the start before that when he pitched against the Pirates. Yeah. So, it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, we know how, how good George can be. We, we've seen it. We saw it in the game against the Astros at home last year in the playoffs. George mm-hmm. Kirby, when he is on and when he is locating his pitches, he can be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. His stuff doesn't – he doesn't have elite stuff, in my in my opinion. And you may, you may disagree. Mm-hmm. It's his command that makes him so special. Yeah. And when he can, when he can paint the corners – and he's getting that call from the umpire. It's another big one. He's getting that call from the umpire. <laughs> There was if one on John that Birdie call. that was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> if he if he's getting the calls, then and he's able to nibble at the corners a little bit more, George Kirby is going to be a tough at bat for whatever team he's facing. It doesn't matter who it is all yeah. night long. But if he's a little bit off with some of those pitches, he's going to get hit around a little bit because usually teams know he's going to be in the strike zone. Yeah. So it he has to locate. If he doesn't locate, he's in trouble. But he located against the Marlins. That's all we could ask for out of George Kirby. Yeah. Of course, then going into game three, we have Luis Castillo against Yuri Perez. That's going to be a fun one. I'm super excited to see both of them. Obviously, Perez, just 20 years old, can light it up at like 98, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, I think Marlins pitching lab just is throwing out gas left and right. So, yeah, I think the thing that I'm, I, I don't even want to say worried about for game three. What you don't like from Castillo against that start against the Angels is the last home run he gave up to Moniak, right? Because that game, aside from the home run to Shohei and the home run to Moniak, was impeccable from Luis Castillo. And I don't know if he just, it's his hubris getting to him where in the, you know, he's got nothing left. He's just throwing 97 mile an hour gas trying to get through the inning and then Moniak connects, right? I want to see Castillo kind of play into his other stuff a bit more. Maybe try and not necessarily stay away from, you know, his fastball. And, like, his he was you know known for his changeup when he was with the Reds. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're, like, telegraphing their pitches too much where, the, you know, these, you know, big home runs come in. And we talked about it before with, like, Gilbert and his whip being so low but his ERA being so much higher. We're giving up big runs we're giving up you know lots of extra base hits and home runs in moments where it's make or break and so castillo versus perez i'm just looking for castillo to stay in the yard that's my big want for game three is don't let the marlins take you deep yeah i mean when you have jorge soler in that lineup that's not an easy thing to do of course not but against perez i do worry at least for the mariners lineup obviously they've been hot so much so in the last week or so mm-hmm. like i do worry that if he because he's electric when he's on he is electric he is one of the best pitch like young pitchers in baseball when yeah. he is right if today is that day and the mariners struggle against him i don't want them to get in their own head and say oh we need to flip the switch really quick and i don't think they will necessarily mm-hmm. but you know 
with how good the offense has been lately, they just got to keep on chugging. And maybe they figured something out. Maybe they're like with this new kind of game plan that they have of work the starting pitchers counts and yeah. get deep in these counts and then see if they make a mistake. If that's the plan, fantastic. And if that works against a young Yuri Perez, I feel like he'd be bound to throw a mistake over the middle of the plate 100%. because he's just inexperienced. And whether or not the Mariners can catch up to it is a whole other story. Do you think that the pitchers, similar to the hitters, kind of try and play hero ball where they want to just get through an inning? They know they need to go get this guy and they just try and blow by them. And then they accidentally just kind of leave a fastball. Maybe, you know, it's the good speed, but it's not in a spot where they're going to miss. I know when George gets down, I felt like he started pressing. When Gilbert got down, it just looked like he was pressing on the mound. Castillo, he felt the maybe he felt the pressure. It was a tie game. And then he's just trying to do the most for his team that he can, and it slips through. Is there any moments like that for the staff where you find maybe the offense gets a lead for them early and they feel a bit more relaxed? Like Miller got a lead, a cushion, felt a bit more relaxed. George got a cushion against the Marlins, felt a bit more relaxed. Do you think this kind of goes hand in hand with the success in these last two games versus the road trip? Yeah, I mean, I I would think so. Like, absolutely. We see these guys are competitors and they want to go out there and give their best stuff. And let's say you get into like a fifth or a sixth inning, you're you know the end of the line is right there, mm-hmm. and you just want to kind of get through. You get maybe a guy on, you see Justin Topa warming up in the bullpen, and you're like, nah, Scott, you keep your booty in that dugout. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get through this inning 100%. I think that at that point, they're just pitching to get outs. They're trying to get their defense into the game, trying to induce a ground ball. They know that, you know, 3-2 three, three, count, they're not going to – they don't want to nibble because they know if they walk this hitter out of the game. Absolutely. I think that – and I saw the comment, I think, that talked about this uh, in our comment section a couple days ago talking about Hero Ball on mm-hmm. the video I made about um, the pitchers struggling lately. And it makes a lot of sense. It really does. These guys feel like for the first part of the season thus far, they have been the rock. They have been the rock thus far. And with the offense finally starting to come around, these guys don't necessarily have to be their best night in and night out. But with them knowing that for the first two months of the season, if they don't go six innings and give up like two runs or less, they're going to lose the game. Yeah. They got to feel that pressure. They absolutely feel that pressure and it might finally be getting to them. And so, yeah, hero ball. I would say if the pitching staff feels like the entire team success has ridden on them Mm -hmm. for the last two months, it, yeah, I would completely agree with that sentiment. Is there any way that you can see it kind of like bouncing or is it just the natural process of baseball where the bats are awake you know, the guys that are producing should be in those spots, and then the pitchers can kind of relax a bit more on the mound. They're not necessarily relaxed. Maybe they feel a bit more composed. You mentioned George's composure on the mound against the Marlins. He was locked in, and I think that just kind of carried him through this start for the most part. Yeah, and I I mean, I do think it can even out. I think that there is a time and a place where last year we saw – the pitching staff do what they did and the Mariners offense they were scrappy last year and they were able to put up enough runs even if the pitching staff did give up a few you, you had your your Marco start or mm-hmm. even Chris Flexen when he was out there once in a while you had a start where these guys gave up three four five runs but the Mariners offense always found a way and if if the offense was down here and the pitching staff was up here now the offense is here but the pitching staff might be down here yeah and so like it might start evening out a little bit where these guys can just go out and just play baseball. Like you said, it's a natural process. It's it's a game. Not everybody's going to click at the same time. Unfortunately for the Mariners, it was 
very extreme yes, one or the hot other. hot and cold. And for you, the past two months. You're talking about people not clicking at the same time. Thinking just like on game two, offensively for a second, it was the entire bottom half of the order. Versus and then versus the first game where I mean it's a little bit more spread out, but you know France was the big blow and that was kind of like what set it open. But game two, it was all Cal seven hitter, Ford eight hitter, Cabby nine hitter. It's just kind of how it worked out. Yeah, and I think Goldsmith said during the broadcast that the top lineup was like one for seventeen mm-hmm. or something like that, which. Something when you, you want to see. <laughs> when you look at the box score, they put up nine runs. You're like, oh, Julio probably, you know, had a double in there somewhere. JP was probably on a couple times. But no, the top lineup was terrible. So, yeah, I mean, even in small little, even in a lineup, these guys are not all clicking at the same time, which is fine in the grand scheme of things. But with what we've seen so far from the Mariners this year, it seems more focused on, oh, this part of the lineup's not producing they suck. The pitchers have to go out there and save them a little bit. Yeah. So, I don't know. Eventually, again, it's just baseball. These guys will figure it out. And they're, they're on a really good start right now. I mean, they have a few teams that they're going to be facing soon, like Baltimore. That And I think they're Baltimore it's, it's, and the Yankees, it's right? It's New York first and then Baltimore, yeah, on the road trip. Yeah. So, that's, that's going to be a tough road trip. It really, especially going into Yankee Stadium and then into Camden Yards. Those are both hard parks to pitch in. Yeah. So, the offense, we're going to have to really hope ha- can step it up. Maybe Mike Ford can use that short porch and the uh, little league field that is Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it just boils down to everybody just kind of picking each other up. And then we'll start to see the the W's end up in the column a bit more than the beginning of the season. I have one final question for you. Yes. Cal Raleigh, mustache, yay or nay? I think we should start. I I mean, I'm willing to leave this recording right now and shave off everything and have the mustache. I'm glad you brought it up because I am fully ready to be mustache mojo. Ready to go. I'll throw a mustache on our logo right now. I don't care. I'm all about it. Cal's mustache is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm not doing that. You're such a coward. I look like a toad when I shave. Okay. And? I have plenty of other pictures of when I had just a mustache, right? We can put put one of those up, you know? Yeah, I got you. I don't I, you. I like it. I think, you know, it there's moments of, you know, team camaraderie where things kind of just come out of nowhere. And I know people were talking about last year when Gino had the two toned hair that a lot of people were gonna do it should, you know, certain situations happen. I can't remember the circumstances. But the mustache gang, I'm a fan. If you're not a fan, you don't like fun. I'm sorry. That's just that's as simple as it is. You don't like fun. You heard it here first, folks, on the Hit It Here podcast, episode 12. This has been Colton and Joe. Make sure you tune into the Mariners game tonight. Luis Castillo and Yuri Perez, the final game against the Marlins. Mariners are going for a sweep. They're back at 500. It's going to be a fun one. And we have another fun video on the screen right now. I want you to click on that one next. Appreciate you guys watching this one. And go Mariners.